0: What's up, everybody? It's Nathan Winterstein, and I'm here with Chris Wright. How's it going, Chris?
1: Going good, man. My guy, how you been? It's been a while.
0: (laughs) I've been good. It has been a while. I've missed you. It's been like two weeks. Um, Gosh, it's been, you've been wrapped up with work and about everything else, and you were sick, and I've been doing side jobs, and then I got wrapped up in a bunch of media work. So it's been a long time since we got to talk.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. The weather turned, so. Going out running when it's twenty one degrees is not good for the voice box. So, but uh, yeah, it's good for hunting though. I'll tell you that. So, but I, I've missed you, man. I heard you and Justin were burning on both ends the other day.
0: Yeah, we were. I I was busting his butt, man. We got some stuff done. Um, I'm finishing some stuff up. Um, hopefully, we'll start posting stuff uh, tomorrow. I think maybe, maybe tomorrow. Uh-huh. I'm uh, finishing up some editing, some color color work and then we'll be ready to go man we busted out four videos four or five videos a whole yeah. entire line of photos we went and shot first thing that morning and justin found out he's got a hole in his boot so that was funny
1: <laughs> hey you know what i guess find it out when the weather's not totally cold as opposed to finding it out when it's like 16 degrees outside because that is miserable true but the
0: creek did have ice in it we were shooting photos in so that was funny <laughs>
1: I know I went through a stretch not too long ago. In fact, it was last year and the year before of these breathable waders from a uh, manufacturer. And I was told these things were the greatest things since sliced bread. And I got a pair and man, they lasted a hunt, a hunt. Now they were great. Called them up, said, Hey, these things are leaking. Can I get a new pair? So, and I think I, when it was all said and done between five hunts, I went through four pairs of waders.
0: Sounds like you get the lemons so, like I do. I'm pretty good at getting yeah. those lemons. Um I had that on my waiters and you know, they got it fixed up for me. They got it corrected. They charge it all. They um I mean it was like I think it was like two seasons. I mean the leak wasn't really that major, but you these new zip front waiters, man, they're super nice, but man, they've come with the chances of leaking around that zipper and had a little bit of trouble. But they, um they made sure to fix me up and get me sent on my way the proper way.
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I went back old school. I went back to the neoprene. I'm like, you know what? These things are great for other guys. They're clearly not great for me. I don't know why. I I seem to be getting the ones with the holes in them. Uh, The lady was nice. She was. She was great. I can't tell you how much money they spent in shipping trying to make it right. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I I went back to the the old school neoprene, which have not failed me yet. And I've got three or four hunts in them. So I feel pretty good about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just... uh, I had neoprene. I wore them for a long time. Um, I think the biggest thing, since, I mean, we weren't even going to talk about this, but the biggest thing I've noticed about waders, which I've been around, breathables that rip, neoprene that rip, is knowing how to fix them when they go down. Whether they're neoprene, they're the breathables, having a plan on how to fix them. Because if you're in the middle of the hunt, or you're on a hunting trip, I mean... I don't have the money to go buy a new pair of waders at the first place down the road. If they have your size nowadays, I mean, I,
1: I, I got to be honest. I keep flex seal.
0: Flex seal. That is a good one for neoprene. Um, I
1: keep I keep flex seal and I've actually got some pool glue used for vinyl pools because you can actually hear the stuff while they're wet. So and you get, once you get on your fingers, it ain't coming off for two weeks. So. <laughs> But it works well
0: yeah, I'm trying to think of the company maybe i'll um I'll get with Justin we'll post like uh post it on Instagram and stuff um maybe a little story talking about it maybe we'll use his waiters as an example um but there is, I have the website it's on my work computer that you know where a lot of the big names get their patch kit from so I know it's where um banded Sika probably the new shin gear it's probably where all them all their patches originate come from is this company they just get them and then they put their camo pattern on top of them but um that company um someone told me about that company and they sent me over it was actually one of the customer service things they're like hey man we want you to get your waders up and running they sent me a bunch of patch kits and then like, okay if you need more you can go here um just send us an email and let us know we'll reimburse you or something for having to buy more stuff to get your waders fixed. But, I mean, that, I thought that was cool that they wanted me to actually try to fix my waiters to last the season. They didn't want me to, you know, suffer through. And that's something I got to tell Justin, like, man, go ahead and fix them. They're not going to be mad that you fix them. I mean, they don't want you to have a horrible experience in them because then you're going to hate them. You got to be comfortable.
1: No, they're going to do it right. It's just with, um, you know, shipping being what it is and logistics being what it is right now, it's a nightmare. Oh, if you sent waiters so, in
0: now to get warranty work on, you're getting them in February. Seasons
1: out. Yeah, I mean, there's that's it. there's zero arguments there. Um, someone told me for boots, like say you step on a nail or step on a thorn or punch a hole in your boot, um, they use a tire repair kit.
0: That would not. So, be, I never thought of that. That would be a good idea.
1: So my buddy Todd told me about that. He's like, man, I swear by it. So it's um, absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, uh, it's and I'm sure there's a plenty of other tricks out there. know someone's figured out but that pool repair kit i've been doing that for good golly 20 plus years i mean it works great on the neoprene's. it does i I tore mine once on a barbed wire fence and it was a gash just an absolute gash i still i use those waders for three more years
0: uh with the knee also you can get um the plasti dip that you pour like you put your pliers in to get them done yeah. Um, buy that get your waders laid out flat and just pour that on top of there and just let it dry it'll like seal up a whole entire big area i used that on a pair and then a guy actually bought them off of me i sold them cheap took them he he used them for like a year and a half sold them to another guy that guy still has them and use them that guy actually we told him the the guy sold them to him. He was like hey like clean them and the guy was new to the hunting took them home washed and dried them and they still work
1: Bold choice. Like it. Yeah. Like
0: he was like, he's like, man, these things took forever to get dry, and I was like, well, what'd you do? Like, he's like, well, he goes, I put them in the washer and I'm like, you washed them. And he goes, yeah. I was like, I think you were just supposed to. I'm
1: surprised he didn't blow up his washing machine.
0: <laughs> that was the a bold... drum
1: and air has got to have at least a dent.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a bold choice there. Cotton.
1: I like that. I like that. That's pretty funny. I don't, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. So, well, while you guys were filming stuff, I spent a lot of time in the shop. So that was good times. So I, I it, man, Saturday took a toll. It did. It did. I was in full on shop mode, man, was I was milling inserts down and I switched over to tune in. And what I should have done is just keep milling on inserts and just done all my inserts so I had the Buckeye game going. Justin called me. He was kind of telling me, um, you know, everything you guys did. And I, it, This was crazy. I literally go outside to take this phone call, and I'm listening to Ohio State play Michigan State, and I need Ohio State to win this game. So, and I, I walk in 15 minutes later, and it is 42 to zero. I was completely shocked by this. So I, I'm sitting there tuning calls, listening to the rest of the shellac in and, you know, watched the Michigan game, took care of some stuff for the wife, went back in the shop. And that's where I screwed up. I shouldn't have just, I shouldn't have done anything but just tuned calls at that point. I decided to mill inserts. And man, I ruined about $700 with inserts. Ugh. And there, there's no fixing them. For whatever reason, I looked at the wrong, I, I've got a couple different gauges. I grabbed the wrong gauge and I punched exhaust holes way too big for the inserts.
0: Ooh. (laughs) I'm glad that wasn't me because I'd probably have done like about triple that in value.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting there just like – I put the inserts down, and I'm looking at them going, man, something's not right. Something is not right. I look up at my gaze, and I'm like, oh. I couldn't believe it. And there's no fixing them. There's there's none, so – um, so I ended up having to throw some rod on and remill and turn them all up and I got the tone boards cut and I'm in the process of punching the, the tapered exhaust right now. So fixing that mess, but yeah, that was an expensive screw up.
0: Yeah. Justin, um, Justin didn't tell me about that. Um, he did, he did let me, um, barry one of his, um, bad jujus to play around with it, man. That's a call. I think everyone needs to it's like a sleeper call. I was like talking to some other people and it's just something that like, I never, you know, And it's one of your older calls. Am I correct on that?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. If you saw the first time we rolled it out, man, it was, it it was, it was brutal. We had a lot of fun shooting like this makeshift cheesy commercial for it. Yes, I do. And, I've um,
0: seen that commercial. That's how I know it's old. Cause I mean, nowadays we wouldn't even, well, now that I'm <laughs> doing the media stuff, I would have been like, Oh guys, like, can we think of another idea? like, there's something else we can do or like let's put some effects in there i don't know but that was, that was a cheesy well, hilarious thing to do and it makes you remember it i'll say that much
1: that's the thing you know um you know what comes down to marketing there's really no such thing as bad marketing so even if it's bad people are still talking about it and if you kind of look at how like television commercials are going now it's all about humor and just and just being goofy and being weird and you know, it's just and it's memorable, and it helps people think about that. And uh, I mean, we were kind of, you know, this was something we were thinking about having some fun, and it wasn't about being too serious because at that point, guys were way too serious. You know, uh, there was a big pushback on the pro staffer, and a lot of people don't understand what pro staffers actually do. You know, so there was a lot of guys on the message boards beating up on them, and uh, for 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 no good reason, none. Yeah, I mean, you know? like they don't.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's dumb.
1: It, guys, pro staffers are, I mean, some of these guys you know, are basically making minimum wage. What they do is they, they fall in love with the product and they want to share that, you know, and they spend time with the owners and they spend time with the manufacturers and the guys that make this stuff and they become subject matter experts on it and they have feedback in it, you know, and they're sitting there sharing this information with people and uh, just guys' egos get in the way, you know, and then the first thing they do is go home and blast them on social media. So we just, We decided we were just going to have fun and just kind of do the whole, you know, the, that anti mentality and show these guys, Hey man, we put our pants on the same way you do. We grind through hunts the same way you do. We have skunks the same way you do. And man, we can have fun with us. So that was kind of that mentality behind it. And, you know, it's for many guys that beat me up over that joked around about it. We sold a crap ton of bad jujus. So it was a fun, nasty little call. I've won God thousands of dollars with that call um just just running calling contests you know it's versatile it's lightning quick you know you get downright dirty on it so yeah I, i'm i got one in the shop with your name on it man yeah i'm I'm so.
0: excited i had just going uh, do a little work on a little bro you know i'm trying to get more over in that single read life that i need to be in and kind of kind of get it like a little a little better at it i'm I know the single read's is a little tougher for the blow. It kind of shows those mistakes, which is kind of, I think, where I'm at. I need to learn my mistakes a little more than let that double read hide it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I tell guys this all the time. You make a mistake on a call when you're working birds. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't. Yeah. It's so, kind of it's
0: kind like calling turkeys. Like, you, you kick up that call. Just don't shut up. I mean, and they make mistakes.
1: Birds, birds make weird sounds all the time. You know, and we've had it because we got, we, we have a strange season. Like right now, our goose season's open. So for North Zone in Ohio, it's been open the last two weeks. It just opened this weekend for South Zone. But our duck doesn't open until it's like December 13th or 14th. And then we run straight through the end of January. So, and I took uh, Doug on a hunt this weekend. So got, I had a cornfield. And I was, and I got to be honest. So scouted it. I didn't see any birds in it. I saw birds running over it. So we decided we're going to run traffic. I had a beautiful wind um, and I had rain. So we put a bunch of skinnies up right next to, there's a water hole on the inside of this field. And uh, we put a bunch of skinnies in it, skinnies around it. And we had ducks all over us, just ducks all over us. I mean, we're still setting up at seven o'clock in the morning. And I, I, at that time, I think we had like probably two dozen mallards sitting in the water. We had more birds working over top of us and we got headlamps on. So, and just to listen to some of the sounds they make and uh, it, 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 mistakes are made all the time. So these birds make weird sounds. They fight with each other. They argue with each other. They don't want each other around each other. You know, whatever it is, there's always that bossy hen beating the hell out of everything else. So you make a mistake on that single read, just keep going. It's not going to bother the birds. And anyone that tells you it does is foolish. It, uh, it,
0: it they are. Yeah, I mean let's I mean let's look at like the cut downs. How many cut downs are barky? Not, I mean they're just attention getting calls.
1: That's
0: it. And I mean, if you make a weird sound, I mean as long as you don't, they, I mean I think you scare more birds over them seeing you and making that mistake than anything I, any sound you make. I mean, I was killing birds when I when I was still struggling to feed chuckle and I still can't feed chuckle, but I can do enough now that I can finish birds in the hole. But yeah. I mean, I was still making mistakes and still getting away with it. I mean, as long, I, I mean, hot is number one.
1: You hit the, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I always do a seminar, you know, and I, I call it my se- my seven commandments, you know, things, I, and things I like to have in place for a successful hunt a successful season. And hiding is number two on that list calls is down the list it really is so and i'm a call guy i love calls calls you know make things happen for you they kind of help seal that deal but that hiding is that's number two on my list being on the x is number one is is being number one there's nothing better than being on the x so you know you can run traffic and you can have success with it there's days you're going to watch them pass you by they want nothing to do with you we were fortunate this weekend Um, I think that's because we've been closed. So, and we found remnants of birds being in that field. We just didn't realize how many birds were actually sitting on the roofs coming our direction. I mean, it was a pile of geese. We had, at one point, we had 300 geese sitting in our decoys. So, and all we needed was one bird to finish. And my good buddy Douglas is like, are we going to shoot these? I'm like, nope, not at all. Let them land. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yep. I'm like, there's two of us out here, dude. We got a log season. We're not screwing it. We need one goose. Let's just enjoy it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm actually, I'm
0: do You hear about that in Texas a lot. They won't, they'll, they'll have a roost coming, like a complete roost coming in them. And I mean, they've still got their whole entire limit to shoot and they'll let them come leave and then let them trickle back in and finish them out.
1: Yeah. It was just, I mean, at that point we'd been shooting already. So like I said, we were. But I think we were nine birds in. We, we legit needed one bird. And, I mean, all of a sudden, it was just a line and a line after that and a line after that. So, and it didn't even look like they were going to kind of come our direction, but they got a hold of us, and Doug was working the flag, and I was hitting the call, and, and we were well hidden. And all of a sudden, they locked, and they just start. And he looks at me, he's like, are we going to shoot these? I'm like, nope, not at all. Let them go. And they they landed all around us, landed behind us, landed in a water hole. So, and he's kind of looking at me like, seriously? And I'm like, dude, we need one bird. I'm not blowing this up for one bird. So, I'm like, just let them. And they they tooled around for probably an hour. So, and then just kind of picked up and moseyed on out. And then we had, about 10 minutes later, we just had a single. Suicide single come from behind us. Hook and come right in. So, Dougie finished the hunt and we were done.
0: Yeah, that's a that's one of those that like, I, I mean, I see it more for us with wood ducks. I mean, you got to watch how you shoot at your wood ducks here. If that's all you got to shoot at, like if you shoot, and you know, I mean, you got to take them when you got them. But there's also that there's so many up and moving that you kind of got to weigh your options. Like, is a single worth it because there's going to be four land in a second? But if you shoot that single, those four are definitely up in the air and they're not coming near you.
1: No, I, I, I can agree with that. I mean, it's, it's a little different,
0: but it's kind of how like I, I adjust to it. Like you got you to gotta weigh your options of what, what, how the bo- birds are going to react to that one shot.
1: I, I tell guys all the time, like don't blow your season over a bird. Don't do it. So, you know, it's last week of the season. You know, you do what you need to do. But for me, it's one of those deals where it's like, man, it's a long season. It's a long grind. Like this field here, we'll hit this field six or seven times and we'll have absolute whammers in it every time. So had we shot that group of 300 geese, I think our odds of having, you know, that many big shoots probably would have been cut in half. Yeah. So because our residents don't push out nearly as quick as migrators do. So they'll hang until it just gets cold and nasty. And I've I've seen it where it's been, you know, minus 20 degrees, and our residents are still here. So, uh, and I know it's the same for you guys down there. I've been down there and watched migrators pass through and residents still hang out.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the point where we have pretty much the same birds that just hang out, and they do the same thing every day. And I've made the mistake of run traffic on them. And have a chance to make it work, but you know kind of push something that take a shot that you know was a little far or something, and then pretty much burn that spot because you know if I'd have let those birds leave or get them a little worked in closer where I could kill them, make it worth it, but you know then I don't leave leave with nothing
1: yeah i I don't know i I love working birds, I love finishing birds, so and there's times. You know I should be shooting, but I'm enjoying the splendor. So I think um, I think think what's
0: hard is on that with the work in the birds is learning when, like when I say when I say take them over top, take them at you know you're trying to finish them at what 20 15 yards, but they're actually at 20 15 yards over top of you, and they're not they're kind of not going to land. That's kind of as low as they're going to get, and they're just going to kind of leave you. Or, yeah, I mean, or, they're, or they're gonna or they're gonna do the thing geese do where they go land 150 200 yards away from you. They've decided yeah, they don't I mean, want anything to do with you, and they're just going to go out there and sit down.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, late season mallards can be a giant pain in the butt. They'll work and work and work, and then they'll disappear, and then they'll come back and work and work and work. Um, you know, I've always subscribed to you know on the third pass. You know, if they haven't committed to you. Then uh, if they come over and you get that ten, fifteen, twenty yard shot, take it. At that point, take it
0: because it's not that far. Like I've shot, like I mean, sometimes that shot's actually closer than the one out in front of you. If they are laying on yeah, the very no. back side of the spread, they're at thirty.
1: No, it, it, I, I got to be honest. I agree with you. I think I think a lot of guys don't truly appreciate how tough it is to work birds and then also call the shot for the group. So. Cause it's always this, and I've had this happen and it drives me batty, you know, guys invite me up for a hunt, you know, and if you come to hunt with me and I got a group, say I got six, seven guys, we're going to do a safety meeting and I'm going to tell guys, Hey, you know what, the dogs in the field. And you've, you've been on hunts with me, Nate, I mean, you know, Liz. so I take them through all the ins and outs. I want it to be a safe, fun hunt for everyone. You know, then the joshing and the screwing around goes on, but I'm always asking who's calling the shots. And you'll look at six people staring at you going, well, you call it. All right, man, that's it. So if you guys hear me, you know, take them on the right, you guys jump up and hammer them. If you guys over here on the left think you can do it safely, you do it. If not, let the guys on the right have it. And if we got to rotate blinds, we rotate blinds. That's it. So um, yeah.
0: yeah, I'll tell you one thing that, like, I'm, I'm trying to get better at is being that guy when I have the camera in my hand. That That's something that, like, because you get so, like, I mean, I don't get as focused in calling at them as I do with the camera because I'm trying to, like, control so much with the camera and I'm trying to, like, keep my eye and, like, you know, watch. Like, I'm actually watching out of the corner of my eye to make sure to see what everyone's doing around me when I just need to focus on them because I'm the one calling the shot anyways. I've done it two or three times this year, kind of gotten frozen up on, like, working the camera and everyone look at me and go, like, okay, now?
1: Yeah, I think uh... – you know, I, I think establish right away who's going to do it, you know, and it, 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 I actually gave advice to a guy because he was asking me about it because he hates doing it, but none of his friends will do it. So, and he's gotten some crap from it. And I've had guys turn around and give me crap. So, you know, where they're like, hey, man, you know, I didn't come here to bird watch. And it's like, well, hey, man, there's eight of us out here. So, and I'm trying to put everyone in good shooting. So, you know, if you don't like it, you can call them. That's fine. There you go. You call them. So, and usually that gets people to shut up, you know, and I, I, I'll i switch guys in and out of blinds. So, because yeah. it just happens, man. They'll shift to the right. They'll shift to the left. They won't work a kill hole right, or they want to land behind you, or you got to be able to make adjustments. And it That all, happened with Justin and, and John.
0: Yeah, and also, like, with that, I mean, sometimes I've noticed that, depending on where the calling is coming at throughout the spread. Sometimes that'll kind of change how they want to finish in that. They want to finish a little closer to that sound or they want to finish farther away from that sound.
1: Um, I, I, There's no arguments there. You know, I always have a guy on the duck whistle, you know, and I'll encourage guys on my call. So I've had it where, you know, we've got a dozen decoys out and no one wants to call and i'm like guys i can't i can't no matter how good you think i am i cannot sound like 15 dozen geese i need some block chatter. yeah i mean some photos make a cluck or two
0: yeah i mean some people overestimate like and i think it goes along with learning learning how to call behind somebody and let that guy take the lead and like kind of support and it to me it changes throughout the day you know like Maybe I didn't see this duck at first, and this guy gets on his duck call first, and he's working him. Well, then I'm just like back up. I'm just, you know, feeding little quacks underneath, you know, just chattering up behind him, like, hey, what's he doing? Like, and you're watching yeah. that guy. That guy's now controlling that calling that calling setup or that calling series. We'll call it, yeah, calling series.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think I think so there, little, there's an art to it the more you do it the easier it gets yeah it's a little um, different
0: with geese because you hear like 90% of the time you hear the geese or you hear the geese first and then start calling at them so then, and they're,
1: they're, they're two different birds
0: yeah yeah they you know? they act a lot different
1: yeah the one thing I will tell you is silence silence can be a serious problem um, you know and there's some guys that subscribe to the whole man once they lock up, quit calling. And I completely disagree with that. I do. that, that, so that, that was my I, question. I think, for you it. know, part of the reason they're locked up is because you've called. Yeah. So, that. and once in silence is just that—that's—that's that's a danger sign for birds. It really is. You'll see heads pop up. You'll see birds looking around. You know, there's always that one, especially with geese. You know, they'll do that single. They'll do that single. Get out of here, cluck and they're out of there. So it's the same thing when, with mallard ducks. You know, I had a hole that at that creek and I would go in there to check how many birds are sitting in there. You know, and I would sneak in along that tree line and you know, I'm 30 yards away from them. And they have no clue I'm there. They're resting, but you can still hear a little whistle. So you can still hear a little pops. So you can still hear a little quick, 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 You know, heads are down, eyes are shut. They are comfortable. They are safe, but they're still making noise. You know, and that's what you want to imitate when you're calling. So, um, I, like I said, I know some guys subscribe to the whole and stop calling once they've locked up. You've done your job. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. They've locked up because you've done your job. Take them all the way home and finish them.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about probably. I mean, he's well known in the duck call world, and that's Rick Dunn with that code. I mean yeah. his motto is we're going to call them all the way to the water.
1: Yeah. Um, I agree. I know Rick. So yeah, yeah, I I know you do, so
0: that's that's what makes it so much I believe so much more than that. and I mean they post videos all the time on their YouTube and they talk about calling them all the way to the water. And they don't. They yeah. don't shut up. They keep calling and I mean those ducks keep coming. Yeah. I mean, think of um, like the you see the Tennessee wildlife videos and stuff when they're like refugees of like, you know, ducks flying around and ducks laying it and they're chattering up. they are all kinds of noise. They're never quiet.
1: Yeah. And that's what, yeah, that's what guys want to, you you, you want to imitate that as much as you possibly can. So that's why I say if you got those guys that aren't comfortable calling, have them just do some simple feed chatter. You know, if they've got one of those Primo's chucklers, just have them go crazy on that thing. So they can do that safely in a layup line, they can do it in a blind, they can do it in a boat, they can do it next to a tree, but it's just that it's additional noise coming from the decoy spread. You know, if you think about it, especially with goose hunting up in fields, man, and and I've put out power spreads, you know, 150, 200 stinking decoys, you need a lot of guys calling. So and it, they don't have to all be, you know, screaming at them with hail calls and, you know, power clucks and buzz clucks. And I mean, they, they don't need to do that. You can just do laydowns and murmurs and just some simple clucks, you know, making it sound like it's it's flock chatter. So because with geese, it's more of a conversation with ducks. Ducks will tell you what they want to hear, whether they want you to hammer on them or, which, or whether they prefer you be a little bit quieter. So first birds of the day, as far as ducks go, I'm con- as far as I'm convinced, will tell you what they want, whether they want you to be loud and aggressive or whether they want you to be a little bit more quiet. And that doesn't mean you stop calling. That just means you tone back the calling.
0: Yes. Yes. That's what I knew. I knew that's where really he was going. On. I just want to make sure that you got re-irritated re- re- there that you weren't, you weren't saying not call. You're just saying, you know, do you tone it back? I've, I've seen, those, I, it, you know, circle and circle and circle. And I think like I watch guys shut up when they're, you know, they they start swinging in, and I'm like, and then they just pick up and out, and I'm like, man, I think if we keep calling, they're going to land.
1: I, I tell you, have a loud call and have a quiet call. You know, Puddle Smackers, snubnose prime examples, man. Those are straight bores, and they're quarter-inch exhausts. You can put as much air as you want through, want through those calls. They are not going to get loud, and they carry more of a nasal pitch. They don't carry that high-end shatter, that shaking trees, so – and, man, I have killed more birds with those in January than I have with loud calls. And that, that is the truth. And I, a lot of it is lone hens. Lone hens and broken up feed chatter. So I'll do a little cutting from time to time, too. But, you know, and that's just what I found works around here really well. So, you know, whereas down in Arkansas could be a little bit different. Tennessee up in you to North Dakota could be a little different. I mean, it's different regionally. But you're also looking at weather patterns. You're looking at different styles of hunting. You're looking at the different waters the birds are sitting in, the different feeds. The larger the group, you know, usually the more they watch you calling. So, you know, if they've been hammered real hard, you know, and they're not getting the full moon so they can actually feed at night, you know, they like to be a little quieter. So especially if you're hunting creeks, creeks and ponds, man, you don't need to be loud. You don't. You you you're better off being quiet, using those little Drake whistles and some simple lone hens.
0: Yeah, man, that's that's a. I read a text actually from Justin. He was asking me a question, but yeah, man, that's that's the truth. Um, I think I've I've noticed that that, and I'll tell you one call that you know I I became a full believer in this year, and I've said this so many times, and I will keep saying it. Is the red eye. I 100% believe in that call now. I've learned a lot of how to blow it, how to blow sitting calls for wood ducks. And I mean, we blinked. um, We just finished up our second split and we blinked. We went for geese and I set up for geese and I went ahead and we, we didn't have much mallards around. And we hadn't, I mean, I'd scouted a bunch. We hadn't seen them. I'd talked to other guys, scout, and I wasn't going to get a hunt. And, you know, they hadn't seen any. And I was like, man, we're getting the weather. We're going to get a push of those. And, you know, I broke commandment number one. For me, it's number one. The hide was not as good as it should have been. <laughs> I didn't. Well, I, I could see out in the field where it was, and I thought we should have tried to, we should have squeezed super, super tight and did it a little different. Than what we did it um not to say we, could, we shouldn't have shot ducks we 100 percent should have killed ducks in a field we should have killed wood ducks in a field in a wheat field to be it all um definitely had them close enough had had a little confusion that like i kind of i mean you know how they are they they make a noise and then they're there mm-hmm. and i mean we're in the middle of a wheat field and you know it's it's like we're breaking shooting time and it's pouring the rain on us and i mean I mean, it wasn't pouring rain. It was raining enough that I regretted getting talked out of not wearing my bibs and and not, and the coat. Like I regretted that I got talked out of both those items. By my one buddy, he was like, oh, I'm not wearing anything waterproof. I think you're solid. I was like, Okay. And then
1: how <laughs> so, did it work out for you? <laughs> uh
0: not good. I was on I was on that end of the blind, so I blocked most of the rain from him for his welcome. Um so we went one sided panel blinds with a a hedgerow behind us splitting a wheat field and an alfalfa field um, you know I knew the geese had been in there I knew the geese wanted to be in there um, so we set up that morning and I'm and like someone was like because we had done this kind of already once but the geese showed up earlier and we weren't we didn't move from the creek to the field we were finishing up our wood duck limit and I was like you know like we'll just go straight to the field I was like I know the wood ducks are going over top that field they're going to come to us well, with that storm pushing in and everything, it was just so dark in, at shooting time that, like, we would hear one, and I'd go, where did that come from? And then, zoom, it'd go flying by, and I was like, dang. Like, I was like, I can't pick these things up until they're 10 yards away, and they're, like, in the decoys, and they're gone. Yeah. Um, but, it, I mean, we put, we dealt with wood ducks for a long time, all the way out till, a good shooting light, and... You know, then we started dealing with the ones that, like, having newer guys and stuff, and you tell them to watch a direction. And the way they swung out in front and no one said anything, and they could see them, and they're, like, just sitting there, and they thought everyone could see them. You know, we're not that far apart. Like, hey, ducks out front would have been great information to have. Um, I'm looking one way. I got Tyler looking another way, and we're both on the call, and so we're kind of, like, kind of watching where they're coming from and where, where they's working the field at, and – You know, we looked over our shoulder and someone's like, hey, they're right here. And I'm like, I look on my shoulder, I'm like, oh, kill that duck. And a boy goes to shoot it and the guy goes, well, wait, that's too far. And he's not looking at the one that's at seven yards cupped up in the decoys. He's looking at the four that are 20 yards. And I'm like, oh, my God. And that guy, like, goes, stops. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I can't get to my gun. It was just one of those you're like, oh, there goes the blank that we could have (laughs) prevented. Um then geese don't show up and then of course we've gotten a ton of weather and we see mallards that have migrated in we see divers that have migrated in and i mean they're just not settled in what they want to do yet and they're just flying high and flying the river so i mean our season ended kind of crappy but hopefully everything stays around for this december
1: yeah i think i mean i think so we got some weird weather this week um i mean i know Three hundred geese dropping in on a decoy spread sounds like a lot, but I mean, I'm thinking this is a lot of the locals kind of getting together. sorting themselves out. I don't necessarily think these are migrators coming in. I was happy to see um, a lot more ducks out there. So our duck wasn't open, so but we were we were setting up, and we went out later. We knew and we figured we'd probably start seeing a geese right around 7:30 uh which we were about spot on so but i mean it's seven o'clock and we're finished up brushing the blinds and um i was actually setting up skinnies our headlamps are on you know now if this was duck season we would have been done an hour before that but because it was just goose um you know we decided we're gonna go out a little bit later and i got we got headlamps on and one guy's working on a blind i'm finishing setting up some skinnies and we got ducks landing in the in the pond
0: yeah, man, that's so, that's it. Uh, that drives me yeah. the wall when you got ducks working you in goose season. I'm like me crazy.
1: Aw, awesome. So I'm like, hey, at least we know ducks are here. They hung out for I don't know, probably uh about fifteen twenty minutes. So we were into shooting time by about seven twenty five, and we had our first group of geese come into us at like seven thirty five. So, I mean, they got up. I'm not sure if a dog walker spooked them or what it was, but they got up and hit them pretty hard. Hit them with a the flag, and next thing you know, they cop they cupped like 400 yards out and just came right at us. I mean, it was beautiful. So, um, you know, and it was. It, bam, I think we ended up finishing with five out of that group. So, hey, we started off great. So, and, and all it all was. It was just playing the weather. That was it. It was the weather. So last time I was in that field was actually taking gear out in that field to store it because it's a mile walk. It's and it's logistically a mile from any road. So and uh, so I brought stuff out there because I didn't want to have to drag stuff out there in January when it snowed. So um, so that, that that I mean that was nice. Yeah. So playing the weather, knowing birds were sitting in that marsh. Uh, I just didn't, I can't tell you how many are in there because it's almost physically impossible to see into it. So we knew we had good numbers going in there at night. We knew we had good numbers coming out of there in the morning. I just didn't realize how good, but all full for the day, we probably saw close to 500 birds.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. I think we're, we're starting to get some geese. I think we're getting geese. I don't know if we're getting geese. Like you said, the locals are grouping up. Um, I just, we got a, We got a little bit till season comes back in. I'm just hoping they can establish some patterns or something
1: yeah i think I uh, i don't know for us um we got cold weather coming we don't have any snow but i do know north of us up in ontario they're going to be getting snow which is good and we have two just awesome north blows like right now is a north wind so and i think the high today was 38 degrees when i woke up this morning around it was 16. so uh, that's going to freeze up a lot of the small water it's going to push birds over to the bigger water And it's going to be a lot easier to find those roosts, and then go find the feeds. You know, as the ground starts to get crispy, then ducks are going to start hanging out more with geese because they're going to need them geese to loosen up that grain.
0: Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be, I think, I think we're headed towards a good season. If the trend stays at where it's at. Um, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, it's been a while since we've had a good season that I'm hoping so much for one, but I do know Look like Arkansas kicked off with a pretty good pretty good shoot, I think, for their duck opener. It, that's what it looked like. I don't, just by the guys I follow, it looked like they were doing pretty good. I did see where, um, I don't know if you follow White Oaks on um, Facebook or anything, but they shot a, um, a double-banded, it might have not been double-banded, I think it was double-banded uh, Mallard Hen with a GPS tracker on it
1: interesting
0: yeah i would love to see the data of that i'd love to see like i don't i I wish there was a way to like once that's killed and like it's posted like everyone can see it and i mean i guess i I understand i guess that's i don't i don't want to see a zoomed in version of it i want to see a zoomed out version i want to see like a a big map i don't want to see like a zoomed in where i can see like hey she spent this much time here or this much time here or i just want to see like I mean, was she GPS there and stayed there all the time, or was she GPSed, you know, February last year or the year before, and she went back to Canada?
1: Yeah, where, where was the nesting grounds? Where did she spend? You know, it, that's all interesting stuff. How old was she? You know, I'd like to see it. Hey, when was she first banded? When yeah. did the second band go on?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of information there. I mean, I mean. I don't know. I wish that information was a little more public. Anytime one of those was killed, you know, like the DNR, like it was like well-known and we just got to see the migration. Like, is there a change in the migration? I mean, I've heard so much about, you know, the big geese not going down as far South. No more.
1: Well, I can tell you that's true. I mean, I grew up in Illinois, so i mean, Southern Illinois. That was the goose killing capital of the world. And now it's state like Northern Illinois. Yeah. So, um, wisconsin gets a bunch i think it, it, it goes to show our conservation program but we're just not getting as cold as early as we used to it seems like everything's pushed back like a month um so we're not seeing those big pushes i mean if you look at lake st Clair last year i mean it was january and they were estimating one point uh, it was like 1.2 to 1.5 million birds on lake st Clair. yeah and i mean if that place is not freeze then they ain't gonna move no, I mean, if they've got access to water, they got access to feed, you know, they don't have those stressors on them. There's no reason for them to move. So, you know, you got to have stressors on them. Last year didn't help with, you know, the fact that we couldn't get across the border into Canada. So, you know, yeah, you know, Americans make up a big chunk of the guys that go up there and hunt waterfowl, you know? Yeah, and so I think that's this, one year
0: of our that this year was better, just not a lot better. I mean, hopefully next year it gets even better. For everybody but yeah um...
1: i know the drought didn't help they Had a lot of drought issues um so that always doesn't help um so because along with drought um you're going to run into more predation issues so um i've had some good conversations with biologists um you know and it's it's subtle adjustments in what we do so you know what's concerning to me is the amount of people not buying hunting licenses anymore You know, the fact that, you know, federal waterfall stamps and state waterfall stamps continue to decrease. So, and for me, that's problematic um, just because there's there's less of us out there to be advocates and stewards of the land. Yeah, it's
0: crazy to think that, like, I feel like there's more waterfowl hunters than what they've ever been. But I also believe that there's like a mix. Like, yeah, there's a lot of new faces coming in, but there's a lot of faces that went out and that are going out.
1: Yeah, I think part of that is um, a, a lot of it has to do with expansion and development. You know, I had a spirited debate with another guy out here because he kept saying, you know, there's more and more guys. And I'm like, dude, look at all the ground we've lost. So that's the truth. Right, and I think it I this with Justin. I'll bet you in the last 10 years, hell, I'll go eight. eight I've lost close to 9,000 acres of hunting property to development. Yeah, I mean, that's,
0: so we'll look at um look at Arkansas. I mean, I don't know if you followed much of the water with the the Green Tree Act. I think it's called. Um, I talked to uh, some of the guys down there about that on the my other podcast, and like the amount that they're gonna start dropping water in the WMAs, and then you know there could become a point that if it doesn't, if they don't start seeing a trend in it fixing itself, that you know they may be a day where you can't hunt some of the WMAs for like a year or two. What's that going to do? That's a lot of public land. that's just gone.
1: Yeah. And that's going to push a lot of guys next to each other. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to make everything worse
0: and it, and it has like, I mean, like they say, so the complaint is the water that's on there from October to January. Well, that's not the problem. The problem is they can't get the water out at the end of January because they're flooding in like march so as the water's trying to leave then they flood back till the end of april well they hadn't well that had nothing to do with duck season that that had everything to do with you got a big rain in march that you don't normally get that's not part of the trend for the weather
1: so yeah i think it's 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 a tough situation all around um You know, as far as the WMA, they got to do what they think is best. And they're looking long term, you know, short term. It sucks. It's going to push more guys into each other. But I mean, right now they're just grasping at straws and they think this is the best possible plan. I'm not defending it. I'm just I'm looking at it from their point of view. They're looking 10, 15 years down the road. You know, so sacrifices for the next three or four years could lead to, you know, a better situation for them all around. Because I mean, the alternative, if I'm correct, is they're they're really concerned about losing all the timber. Isn't yeah. that correct?
0: Yeah, but I think you got to read into that a little bit because it seemed like it was affecting only one tree, maybe, and they I don't know, like there's so much in it. I don't want to say what it was or what it wasn't. I mean, yeah, whole, I
1: gotta be honest. I'm not versed enough on it. Everything I'm, I've read, I've read through DU and Delta magazine and,
0: yeah. You know, and, uh, and I, d- I do. I did hear that. Like one thing, it doesn't look good on their part was they held the, they held the conference at like a two forty five on like a Thursday to announce and discuss all this. I mean, it's kind of an odd time to hold a conference when 90% of your duck workers are blue collar.
1: Yeah, and they're eight at work. To, eight to, eight, yeah, and,
0: they're at work. Like, let's just basically say they're guys that are working every day. They're not just hanging out at home. The guys that are hanging out at home, the duck hunt in Arkansas, um, they pay about twelve hundred dollars a day and they go with a guide.
1: Yeah, and, and the crazy part is is that uh, it, it, they could have done one better. They could have done it on a Friday at four fifty-five.
0: Yeah, I mean, like at least let the guys get off work, listen on their way home or something. And I mean, I don't know that that kind there's, of There's an the
1: almighty dollar attached to everything we do. And I just put this into perspective. I've been hunting a piece of ground I've had permission on for 20 years. So, and the original owner um, still farmed it. He ended up he ended up dumping that property, sold the property, moved out to another town. But the guy he sold it to, I was friends with, and he gave me permission. So, and and he ended up passing away, and the farm lease went over to his son. So, and it's Son doesn't want to take on farming, so the farm lease ended up going to someone else. Now, I've had landowner's permission for 20 years, so I go to talk to the new farmer. So, explain to him who I am. Landowner's like, yeah, you're a good guy, so it just let him hunt, no issues. This guy now wants to charge me to hunt that property.
0: Yeah, that's... Oh, that- That sucks, but everything's got a dollar value on it anymore. And it's getting. Yeah. Luckily, there's not like West Virginia where we run into that trouble is where we run into the trouble of guys tearing up fields. And that's how you end up in those like those paid lease spots. Like, I mean, those paid lease, or it ends up being sold to one guy because that one guy knew the farmer before some guy like pissed him off and like took a truck through his field and rutted it for no reason at all.
1: Yeah, and I got to be honest, we're not getting cold enough for that. That was a standard operating procedure up here forever once that ground froze. We're talking a hard fro- a freeze. Then you take the trucks through it, and you're never going to leave an imprint.
0: Yeah, I
1: mean Now it just doesn't happen. You're seeing guys with the razors. You're seeing guys with four-wheelers, and they're putting little landscaping trailers on the back, and they are running the crap out of people's fields.
0: I'll, I'll say this much, and this is a 100%. This has nothing to do with waterfowl, but... The side by sides, a field just as bad as a four wheeler. Hundred percent, yeah, one hundred percent because
1: power attached to them.
0: Yeah, I mean these guys
1: aren't idling out. <laughs> yeah, I mean no?
0: I one hundred percent like. I mean, I just know of, like all the, you know, like in West Virginia we we're known for having a lot of like trails to get riding on and stuff. And just like you know, we used to be take fuller sue through there. You know, you didn't have to have a a four four-wheel drive four wheeler or something. You could take like just a normal racing style like full through through and everything and everything that's cool you can't even get a full through some of these trails because they're been rutted out tore up so much by the side-by-sides going through you got you actually have to have a more sporty side-by-side to get through them i mean it's just those things are the curse to like tearing stuff up and i mean they're just there's nothing that you can do about it i mean people don't idle out like you say they're just they're going to give her hell
1: well, that, guys are worried about tires. And, man, corn stalks are tough. But if you want to prevent rutting up a field, you got to ride on top of the corn rows. You need that root system to help support the weight and the power. And what these guys will do is they'll run in between the rows where it's just pure dirt and mud. And it, that's, that's how they're tearing these things up. So I get it, man. You don't want to blow a tire, but if you go nice and slow, it shouldn't be an issue. If you have, you know, the right PSI in your tires, it should not be an issue. And I've been driving in cornfields, good God, you know, for 30 plus years and knock on wood, I've never busted a tire. So you go through nice and slow. It is not an issue. You go in there like a bat out of hell and you got a ton of extra weight and you don't have, you don't have the PSI right on your tires. Yeah. You're going to tear stuff up and you're going to pop tires. So, and what they're doing is they're screwing it up for everyone.
0: Yeah. I mean, we could could go on about this forever. I mean,
1: how did we get on this? Uh,
0: (laughs) I don't even know because like I've got people like, of course, like I asked a bunch of media questions and everyone decides to message me now. Um, what What were we talking about? I done forgot. I'm like,
1: oh. Um, oh, we're talking about wood duck calls. Yeah, you're talking about the wood duck call. And oh, my God. Yeah. Then it just snowballed and then it just yeah. snowballed
0: into the. Yeah. I mean, that's.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. The next the next one of these we do, I'll do my seven commandments. So, yeah, that sounds. I used to do this. Couple um, big shows,
0: yeah. That sounds like a good idea. I mean, this is going to be, I'm releasing this on um, Thursday, Thanksgiving. So, um, happy Thanksgiving, to everybody out there. Um,
1: happy Turkey Day, everyone.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, a, I'm first off, I feel like just to say, like, you know, a th- big thankful for me is, man, I'm thankful that you know, you guys at KES have let me come along and you know, produce this, and now we're doing media work and stuff and i mean that's just it's opening it's opening doors for me and i hope it's opening some doors for you guys and giving you guys some good content and stuff to put out there um but man i can't be thankful enough for everything KES has done this year and you know i kind of come on i think i came on this year midsummer or something you know yeah, after I, was- I mean last year i was kind of just a third party off to the side you know i talked to justin and stuff and i was like hey let's do let's do some stuff together you know i want to work on some media stuff you guys and i mean i didn't ask for anything out of it i was just like hey i just want to do some good media and produce some good stuff out there
1: that, that's that that's it um you know there, there's no bells there's no whistles, there's no nothing it's a couple guys talking outdoor stuff and that, that's what i love about it i love what you bring to the table you're just a good dude regardless of whether or not we were doing this it, you're just you're just a good all-around person i think it's important you know that
0: yeah man thanks so, i mean that i mean that means a lot because i mean you've Like I said, I mean, you guys have, I mean, shoot, if it wasn't for KES, I wouldn't be waterfowl hunting. As dumb as that, as crazy as that sounds, you know, like, oh, well, why is it them? Well, I mean, I have a good buddy that waterfowl hunts that honestly, I assume he's waterfowl hunting the first time I went on a filming job with um, John and Justin and another guy who um, did some work for you guys for a little while. Um, Yeah, I mean... He was in the old shop, I think, because I've seen the pictures and stuff. There's no way that was your shop you
1: have now. No, um, no, no. no. That was that, that. was definitely the old shop. That was pre-divorce, so.
0: Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, man, I mean, it's been awesome since I've come on board and just all the stuff we get to do, and I can't wait to see what else. You know, I've got Harrison blow me up, wanting, uh, wanting to know where we're going next year hunting. He's like, he's itching. I mean, we're not even in this season yet, and he's like, hey, we got to plan some hunts for next year, so.
1: Yeah, honestly, I'm thinking about just planning some hunts this year. Just jump in a truck and go. Um, yeah, I mean, it,
0: honestly, I'm kind of a little disappointed. You sent me the text that said, hey, if you want to go to Arkansas, just let me know. I had no idea this weekend, like, we could hunt Arkansas. Because, like, I'm not in. I mean, we can't. I can't hunt here. I mean, I don't know what's theoretically down there. I could have made some phone calls and maybe been like, hey, like, you know, can we get in, like, these areas and hunt? Like, I'm not looking for a pen. I just wonder if I can hunt.
1: Well, it's just it, it, for me, it's it's all, all around the country. And I've met some absolutely phenomenal people, just the salt of the earth. You know, I've had guys take me to their secret honey holes. I've had, you know, phenomenal meals. I've had talks at tables. And they, these are lifetime friends. You know, we won't see each other for, you know, a couple seasons and but we'll still keep in contact. The next thing you know, it's as if. You know, I just saw the guy yesterday, you know, giving guys hugs and, you know, we're talking this, sharing pictures, so on. So, um, you know, so I I love traveling. I love seeing different ways of how guys approach hunts. I love learning from these guys. You know, every year I learn something new. So, you know, there's green timber hunting, you know, being in the cypress cuts, you know, hunting rice fields. That's just that's that's like waterfowl lore right there. Yeah, It truly is. So every opportunity I get to go down there and I got a lot of old friends down there, man. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. and I think that's one thing that this is going to open up. I mean, for me, not as much as you, but I'm going to like doing this podcast, whether it's Redley talk here or if it's overdone fins and feathers, the one I just do with my bunch of drinking buddies, basically. That's what it turns into and just bullshit. I mean, I'm going to get to meet so many people just through this because this it's kind of like um it's kind of like I'm so thankful that I actually picked up that camera, you know, many years many many years ago. I mean, shoot, I'm on camera four shopping for number 5. I mean, the it's it's like a pat like someone says it all the time. It's a it's a pass. It's a pass to get to go to certain places and get to do certain things that a lot of people won't get to do because yeah, it's- they just and you hit it the up.
1: nail in the head. And it's it, it it's like the first time I explained Canada to Justin. You know, and God uh, we were at the boot camp and it was Jim Ronquist and myself, guy by the name of Shane and Justin, and we're just we're sitting back enjoying some shine. Guys, I mean, there's there's hundreds of people over at the cabin. Just and it's just a, it's an after party from a, a phenomenal DUX event. The local guys threw on, you know, we got the band showed up and was playing on my porch. Bonfires going on, cornhole. I mean, it was, just, it was awesome. So and Justin had never been to Canada. So and I'm trying to explain it to him, you know, like, man, you get the peas up in Canada. It's just it's on fire. You know, and 100 ducks turns into 500. 500 turns into a thousand. A thousand turns into 5,000, and you are screaming. You are screaming on calls, just trying to get their attention, just trying to pull those lead birds, just to come to you. But when they come, you know, you're looking at your buddy, going, "Let the first thousand land." And he's just kind of looking at us, like, "All right, whatever." You know, and here's it's Jimbo Ronquest. You know, he's just coming off winning the world championship. He is everyone's in love with the guy and is looking at him. He's like, no, you let the first thousand land. So, cause he's like, if you fire into that, it's just insane. Just insane. Let them land. They'll start just dropping in right on top. Of you. It makes it so much, it, the shooting so much easier, you know? And, and even Justin at that point, is kind of like, he's, he's skeptical, but for him to see it that first time when we were in the peas, you know, he, it, it was beyond that expression a kid would have on Christmas day. You know, and it's it's so a picture's worth a thousand words, you know, and there's there's those guys that have this ability to take what we see and show it to people and go, this is out there. You do the work, you find the spots, you do the traveling. This is out there. You can experience this. So it's no longer guys just talking. It's man, here's the proof. You know, here's what you can experience. Just do a little travel. Meet some people, man. Go learn something. You know, hunting's different all over the place.
0: Yeah. So. And I mean, that's, that, that's, I mean, and, and that's just like, that's just straight up. I mean, I got experience hunting in Ohio for deer. I got experience, you know, I mean, hopefully I get experience Canada, Wyoming, all these other places just by having that camera. Um,
1: Oh, we're gonna get you
0: to Canada. Uh and you know, I mean one one thing like I'm kinda looking forward to, it sounds kinda weird, but is you know, like we you start shows in February, I assume, right? With um the Great Outdoor Show in PA. Is that February? Yeah,
1: yeah. Harrisburg starts us off, so
0: Yeah, like just getting to like go to some of those and experience what it's like to be like meet all these people because there's other vendors there that you know, and you've met that's in the industry or people I've met through in the industry through social media and stuff. Just getting to meet those people is just insane.
1: Oh, yeah. It's not just that. It's, you know, after the show's over. So it's going back to the hotels. You know, that is the plus side of me being a chef is randomly all all people knocking on the door coming in for dinner. You know, and I got a simple rule. Bring something for dinner. (laughs) So I'll cook it just you go ahead and bring it so we've there's been quite a few nights where we've had just these random crazy potlucks that have worked out and you know you got 20 guys slammed into a two-bedroom hotel room that's got a kitchenette but we make it work yeah. so and that's the stuff so, you know and then next thing you know the beer comes out some bourbon comes out and then the stories start being told and you know, that's that, that's just the fun stuff, man. But, I mean, that's, that's the stuff you got to do because that show's a grind. It's a great show. There's some phenomenal people there. So, um, you know, Southern Illinois is always a good one. Indiana's a good one. Kansas has got one. It's up and coming. It's absolutely outstanding. Eastern Maryland's always one of my favorites. Um, Tuckerton is – that's a fun one, too, because you start getting into the history of waterfall. So – so there's some great shows out there. There is.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, and you're
1: more to welcome to come hang out and work those man. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to take, pictures, gonna take go you down. up
0: on some of those. I mean, I just think it's just going to be, I mean, it, I, I really think it's going to be a fun experience to get to get up there and, you know, get to represent and talk to people about your calls. I mean, they're definitely something that people need to check out, but I, I think I think a good way to end this is like you like you said, you know, this is Thanksgiving and if you're going somewhere to eat, make sure you bring a dish. <laughs> Whether it's cookies or if you went to my aunt used it all the time, go to the Kroger, buy something, put it in your own dish. You know, at least at least it looks like you tried.
1: Yeah, no, I uh, I would agree with that. So um, I'm actually making some green bean casserole, I got some taters, I'm gonna make my world famous sweet potato pie. I got to shoot you a picture of it to you, man. I mean, it stands five inches tall at the center.
0: Well, yeah, man. Send that on over.
1: It is. It is ridiculous. I got to hook you up with a recipe. My kid, my students at school, are uh, we qualify for the state championships. And this year's dish is fried duck. So, and they have been working very hard to perfect this recipe. And I'm going to share this recipe because it throws people off. They're like, are you serious? And uh, yeah, no, it is absolutely phenomenal, Nate. Absolutely phenomenal. And uh, the crazy part is, is I've got, you know how teenagers can be real finicky, real picky? Yeah. And every single one of the students have tried this have been like, that is duck. Oh, my God, that is good. So, uh, in fact, one of my peers who's a master chef actually wants the recipe as well. So, and this is the fun stuff. But uh, real quick, I'm thankful. You know what? I'm, I'm thankful for friends and family. I'm blessed um i truly am i know some of the best people in the world and i'm honored that they allow me to be part of their life so that includes you justin matt um john i mean le- legitimately the entire gang of Kes that's helped us reach where we are right now and is going to continue to to take us to new heights you know my wife who puts up with everything but without her you know i would not be you know the good person i am today and i i i I can't say enough about my friends and family. So they have made me a truly blessed person and I am so thankful to be part of their lives.
0: Yeah, man. I think that's 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 the best way to end this. There's nothing I can even say to finish this out other than make sure you're following along, subscribe, like us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, head us up on Apple, Spotify, you know, you can find us there. And, you know, until next time, Chris, man, it's been fun.
1: Hey, brother, I appreciate it, man. You know, and I'll keep inviting you up for hunts, man. I'll I'll get to you a little bit earlier if uh, something pops up this way and kind of squeeze you up here.
0: Yeah, man. Sounds good.
1: You take care, brother.
0: You too.